You are listening to the Teaching Little Brains podcast with Sarah Nikaruk, episode six. Hello, Teacher Brains. Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here with me today again. Uh, whenever I listen to a podcast and they say, at the time of this recording, like X is going on, like Christmas or summer or election is happening or something, I always appreciate them putting it into the time frame and into context for me because um, I'm new-ish to podcasts myself and so I'm like two or three years behind in some of them and am listening back so it helps to know what was happening at the time of the recording so I can get my head around it a little bit better so at this time at the time of this recording it is March 2020 and the coronavirus or COVID-19 I don't even know if you can say that in a word like COVID-19 Um, has spread fairly worldwide and um, many places, including Ontario, Canada, where I live, have decided to close down schools and suspend services and big events for at least three weeks as a precaution and in attempts to prevent uh, a wider spread. Uh, Professional sports have halted their sessions, their seasons, or at least are playing without spectators. Uh, And things like concerts and conferences have been postponed, cancelled, or brought online. Restaurants are sending out notices. The grocery stores have been pillaged, mainly of hand sanitizer and toilet paper. And people are hunkering down in self-isolation to avoid potential exposure to the virus. Uh, We are just about to head into March break 2020, and following that, schools will remain closed for an additional two weeks. So if you're listening to this episode from the future, uh, do you remember this? Like, think way back, maybe. Um, Anyway, from a brain-based and health-based perspective, it's important for us not to get caught up in the fear and paranoia. It does not serve your brain or health at all. Uh, Stress is the root cause of many diseases and compromises your immune system. And at our house, we are staying informed, but not indulging in binging like on the news or social media frenzy. We're subscribing to the prepared, not scared mentality, uh, taking all the precautions while remaining calm and smart. So we choose to consume instead uplifting content like episodes of Friends, uh, Parks and Rec is a new one we're watching, uh, some stand-up, a Disney movie or two, along with some, we're doing some mindful breathing and meditation, some empowering mantras, and practicing our daily affirmations. Which brings me to today's topic, uh, the topic of this week's episode In our last episode, I was talking about writing and how it is good for the brain. And in particular, I talked about the workshop model of writing instruction, and I just love it. And uh, I've mentioned mentioned a free masterclass that I'm offering around getting writer's workshop off the ground and have opened a digital course, a germ-free environment, to help teachers uh, get their writing workshop going in their classrooms. And I'm super excited to have a handful of teachers already enrolled and we are going to have so much fun and I'm totally stoked about the results that they're going to get for their their little writers. Anyway, we're going to talk a bit more about writing, but last week's episode was geared toward teaching writing and what you can do in the classroom, whereas this week's episode is all for you, teacher, and your amazing brain. Um, I want to share with you some of the learning I've been doing about how writing goals and positive affirmations significantly improves mood, success, achievement, resilience, coping skills, optimism, and physical health. Very timely. I'll share some practical steps you can take to apply this to your own life and give you some wording that has proven to be effective for many of the world's most successful people. 
If you talk to anyone at the highest level of what we would collectively consider success, I'm talking like Oprah, Barack Obama, Steve Jobs, Leonardo da Vinci, Tony Robbins, Rachel Hollis, Bill Gates, Jim Carrey, Warren Buffett, the majority of top level athletes, they would tell you that much of their success stems from their habits of reading and writing every day, journaling, recording their goals and affirmations, and visualization. They all have that in common. Along with healthy sleep, food, and exercise choices, they regularly write down gratitudes. We talked about that in episode four, so if you haven't listened to that one, I suggest you go back there after this. Their goals and positive affirmations. All the geniuses journal. And here's the chicken or egg question. Do they journal because they're genius or are they genius because they journal? Either way, there is some sort of correlation for sure. Many of you have probably heard statistics around writing and goal achievement. I know I had for a long time. So people who write down their goals are 40 to 87% more likely to achieve them. Why the discrepancy? Well, it's about what they write down and how. So if you have a goal and you write it down, bam, you're already 40% more likely to achieve it. Want to up the ante? Be specific, write it down, um, and write down where, when, and how long you are going to partake in that behavior to achieve that goal. So if your goal is to quote unquote work out every day, okay, write it down. That gives you a 40% edge right off the bat. But by detailing where, when, and how long you're going to do that, you significantly improve your chances of success. So you might write instead, I will work out at 6 a.m. in my basement for 30 minutes every day. Or I will work out at 6 a.m. in my basement Monday to Saturday for 30 minutes. On Sunday, I will take a brisk walk outside for 30 minutes as active recovery after breakfast. By the way, these are all results from studies you can Google. I'm not making it up. Um, and if you want more information on this particular study, you can go to The One Thing. And I'll put the link in the show notes. So that's the study that talks about the 87% and about writing down where, when, and how long. So why is it that writing makes such a difference? Well, I mentioned in episode five, but essentially it has to do with which areas of your brain are activated or light up when you write by hand. So for instance, in a 2012 study of 15 children in India, sorry, Indiana, very different, in Indiana who were asked to write, trace, or type letters while having their brains scanned, found that writing letters activated more regions of the brain than typing letters. So in particular, visual processing centers. And this, an excerpt from Forbes article, um, writing things down happens on two levels. So external storage and encoding, sorry, let me say that again. <laughs> this is an excerpt from a Forbes article and it talks about writing things down happens on two levels, external storage and encoding. External storage is easy to explain. So you're storing the information contained in your goal in a location, i.e. a piece of paper. So that's a very, it's very easy act easy to access and review at any time. So you could post that paper in your office, on your refrigerator, etc. It doesn't take a neuroscientist scientist to know um, that you will remember something much better if you start a visual cue, like a reminder, every single day. So if you're staring at that cue, 
that you've written down, you're more likely to remember it. It's going to get into your brain faster and eat more easily. But there's another deeper phenomenon happening called encoding. Encoding is a biological process by which the things we perceive and our reticular activating system remembers our brain's bodyguard that lets things in. So by which we receive things that we perceive, um, they travel to our brain's hippocampus, our memory center, where they're analyzed. From there, decisions are made about what gets stored in our long-term memory and in turn, what gets discarded. So the things that get stored are the things that line up with our beliefs. Now we've talked about this at length, about how and what and how gets into into our memory through our RAS, our reticular activating system, and into our subconscious. By now, I expect that you can say this with me, but our thoughts create our emotions, which when combined together and repeated, create our beliefs. Our reticular activating system only allows in things that line up with our current beliefs. So the great news is you get to choose what gets let in. You get to choose your beliefs by choosing your thoughts and repeating them. Hence the writing down. <laughs> so anyway, writing improves that encoding process. In other words, when you write it down, it has a much greater chance of being accepted in the first place because your reticular activating system perceives it as important uh, enough to have been written down in the first place, and that increases the chances of it being remembered. So this is interesting too. Neuropsychologists have identified something they call the generation effect, which basically states that individuals demonstrate better memory for material they have generated themselves than for material that they've merely read. So when you write down your goal, you get to access the generation effect twice. First, when you generate the goal, creating a picture of it or visualizing it in your mind. And second, when you write it down because you're essentially reprocessing or regenerating that image. So you have to rethink your mental picture, put it on paper, place objects, scale them, think about your spatial relations, draw facial expressions, all of that with your mind. So there's a lot of cognitive processing taking place right there. In essence, you get a double whammy that really sears that goal into your brain. And that translates into achievement because when you write down your goals and or affirmations, you significantly are more likely to behave in a manner that reflects the type of person who exhibits those qualities and embodies those beliefs and practices, which in turn increases the likelihood of them coming true. So let's talk affirmations. More and more people are realizing that affirmations are not just some sort of like woo-woo, flitty, fantasy, airheady type thing. These are actual brain science. There's actual brain science behind their effectiveness and benefits. So brain scans show activity in the reward centers of the brain, which we talked about in um, episode one around celebration reward centers of the brain when we write positive affirmations. I emphasize positive here because our brains cannot distinguish between positive and negative. That's why when you are, for example, going up on a stage in front of people and you're nervous and terrified to trip on the stairs, so you think, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip in your brain on your way up to the stage, your subconscious mind is only capable of acting on trip and down you go. Again, this is all from Googleable studies, but 
people who self-affirm are better able to handle negative situations because they have a healthier brain reaction than those who don't affirm. They respond more constructively, which fosters resilience and increases performance, which makes perfect sense because as we learn a few minutes ago, all successful entrepreneurs and athletes all report practicing affirmations and visualizations regularly. A 2016 study of 326 cancer survivors showed that people who affirm also experience higher optimism, better health, and greater happiness, hopefulness, and lower likelihood of cognitive impairment. Don't we all want that? Also, don't we all want that for the little brains in our classrooms? A solid body of research has built up showing that practicing positive affirmations can bolster people's feelings of self-worth and make them respond more constructively to threats. And if you remember from episode three on our brains, uh, our brain's main objective has two focuses. That's it. Sense connection and avoid rejection. We need to feel part of the group. And for that, we need to feel that we are worthy of being part of it. And really... Who doesn't want to improve their feeling of self-worth? Okay, so let's make this practical. I think we can agree now that writing things down, our goals and positive affirmations, is beneficial. But what does it look like? So firstly, whatever affirmation you choose, you want to write them in the present tense or past tense as if looking back from the future like they've already been achieved. Because your brain doesn't tend to argue with the past. uh, But it might resist the present depending on what you're you're feeding it based on the evidence in the now the material and physical evidence writing things using i want in the future will only perpetuate more wanting not actually having and at first you may feel quite silly or more bluntly you may feel like an idiot when you start writing these down i did when i started because typically you're writing things down that you don't yet believe So I would write things down and my logical brain knew that I was lying, but that's part of the process. So you may feel some resistance initially. Just push through it is my best advice. Also, you can choose something that's a bit more neutral to sort of bridge the affirmation. So going back to our workout example, you've written your goal, but as an affirmation, this gives you an edge if you also do affirmations around it, you may write, I am in the best shape of my life, I am at my ideal weight, and my body looks friggin' fantastic. I am a sexy beast. And if that feels untrue to you to the point where it's like way out of your comfort realm, um, then you can try something a little more neutral to bridge the gap. So instead you might say, I notice an improvement in my strength and endurance. I am working toward my ideal weight. My body feels or looks more healthy. So do that for a while and then creep towards your ultimate affirmation of looking and feeling like the goddess that you really are. But you want to move through neutral to to sort of build up that belief as you go. It is all possible. It's only a matter of mindset, which is all about brain priming. And that's a step-by-step process. And this is one of the steps. Use affirmation for self-help and combat the daily grind. Our thoughts derive our attitudes, our actions, and our behaviors, and we can use this powerful chain reaction for empowerment, achievement, and success, and self-actualization. The only barrier to achieving your personal goals 
is yourself. And we often need to retrain our thought patterns to see the joys, opportunities, and possibilities in life rather than the limitations. Now, creating your own. So it's recommended that you repeat each affirmation about 10 times. And an additional thing you can do after writing it down is record it in your own voice and then listen to it. And the best time to do that is when your brain is sort of in this semi-sleep mode. So right before you go to sleep and just as you're waking up because your brain is more receptive to suggestion at that time. So these affirmations can help uh, you empower yourself to be who you truly deserve to be. So remember last week when I freaked some of you out by saying that in writer's workshop during independent writing time or quiet 10, you also have to write and I maintain that position. It will win you mega gains in terms of engagement uh, in your students. But here, why not write down your affirmations 10 times each during quiet 10? Perfect. Don't know where to start? Here are some options. You could write, I am strong. I am healthy. I am in control of my life. I have set my goals and am moving toward them. If you add a feeling, you can strengthen that affirmation. So I feel or I enjoy, etc. You add a reward to reinforce what we are, what you're really truly working towards. And be sure to balance the goal and reward so that they're semi-realistic, a stretch but realistic, achievable and meaningful. For example, I might write, I, Sarah, meditate 10 minutes a day and I feel strong. So there's um, a feeling and a reward at the end, feeling strong. I, Sarah, enjoy two healthy snacks a day and I have more energy. I, Sarah, manage my time well and I am in control of my life. Although time management is truly just mind management when you get down to it, but that's for another day. I, Sarah, set daily goals and I am empowered to achieve them. So I'll share a couple couple of my actual goals and affirmations with you. One of which is um, that I am comfortable being open and vulnerable, which is uh, something that's in progress. So this is a perfect opportunity for me to practice embodying that. So I have, just some of them are, um, I am an exceptional wife to Brian. I show him my appreciation in big and little ways every day. I am a patient and present mother to Zoe. I spend 20 minutes a day engaging in play, doing whatever she wants without technology. I have value to give. I am worthy of wealth and handle massive success with grace. It is easy for me to work out daily. I work out at least 30 minutes a day in my basement at 5.45 a.m. I spend a minimum of 30 minutes a day outside. I write five things I am grateful for in my gratitude journal every morning after breakfast. So those are just a few of the ones that uh, I'm working on. Um, Also, I'm working on the wording for like staying focused. I set like intentional work times and I remain focused on my task for the entire period. Um, That's a tricky one right now and I'm still trying to word it so that I can make it work for me. Anyway, ever heard of, have you ever heard of Steve Harvey? So yes, the comedian. Yes, the host of Family Feud. Also, yes, the motivational speaker. Yeah, I had no idea either. Anyway, he's got some great stuff. And his stance is that the only reason we don't have the things we desire in life is because we 
we don't ask for them in detail in writing. So he suggests writing down 300 things you want from the universe, God or whatever you call it. But don't write I want because that just perpetuates again the wanting. So you just list the things and don't hold back, go big, go small, write them all down in detail. So for example, a two bedroom apartment in Paris with a balcony and a clear view of the Eiffel Tower. Then at the end of the year, review the list and see how many have materialized. He promises at least 20 to 30 things um, on that list will have happened. He's lived it and coached it for years. So it's pretty cool. He says you'll get stuck by at least number 75. Um, I hit a block at number 35, but pushed through. He says, keep writing and don't stop till you get to 300. Dream, write. Uh, another thing you can do during quiet 10. Why not do that one? Might take you a couple sessions, but it's a great thing to do. Great use of your time. Good writing practice. Uh, you could even get your kids to do it. So I did say this episode was just for you teachers, but maybe you're inspired to incorporate this into your teaching as well. Get the little brains in your classroom into writing their goals and affirmations and see what happens. It would be a great experiment at the very least. Um, anyway, back to affirmations. Okay, essentially we are setting or resetting our beliefs. So remember, beliefs are just thoughts that repeat over time. So if you're thinking or letting in without thinking, like when you, with the shows you watch, the commercials, the news, the things you read and listen to, something over and over, it will eventually make its way into your subconscious. Writing accelerates the process of solidification in your brain. You can choose whether you want to, your subconscious programming to be positive or negative. Writing down positive affirmations and goals is an excellent way to get it there. It also carries all the wonderful health and wellness benefits we've been talking about in the last couple episodes, which will help us keep safe and healthy during this time when we need it most. Thank you for joining me today. I hope I've been able to take your mind off of some of the other things happening in the world for a while. And I hope that you'll implement writing your goals and positive affirmations into your daily uh, life. Um, making this a habit is the second step, which we can dive into in a couple uh, episodes from now. But in the meantime, you may be interested to check out the one thing.com. It's the and then the number one thing.com where they explain it really well. And they have a 66 day challenge. And as you've heard me say before, it takes 60 to 67 days to build a new neural pathway and prune an old one. All right, so thank you again for joining me today. I'm so grateful you're here. I hope you are getting value out of these episodes because I'm really enjoying recording them for you and I love sharing all this cool learning I've been doing. Um, have a wonderful extended March break. My Teaching Little Writers Academy starts on Monday if you're interested in getting in or learning more. I'll put the link in the, to the free masterclass in the show notes. Uh, stay safe and healthy. Positivity will help eating brain healthy food, getting exercise and choosing consciously to only consume helpful and positive content are all great strategies. And of course, frequent hand washing. <laughs> this is the Teaching Little Brains podcast. I am your host, Sarah Nickerak. See you next week. Bye for now.